Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. He's complaining he doesn't know what the points are. Well, here they are. <laughs> the first one's a nice, easy half volley outside the off stump. Mm. An appreciation for the career, Nicola Curry, of Blue Point, who was brilliant at Ascot. Is it sad that he's retired or was it right to retire him? Oh, I think they'll know themselves. But I th it's sad, but I think what a perfect end to a career. Do you know, he was fantastic. And to come back and do it again was just... What a little horse, you know. Could all do a few more of them in our lives. But yeah, I think it was it was probably a nice ending to finish it there. He's ought to leave a pretty significant impact, this horse, and he ought to make a stallion. Most definitely, and, and uh, an exciting son of Shamardal to, to retire to stud. It must be must be a dream for, for Sheikh Mohammed to, to be breeding horses like this and, and eventually uh, retiring them to, to Dalham Hall. Um, I can see exactly why he's been retired at this stage. Nicky goes out at the very top, a dual winner at a, at a royal meeting. That there aren't many mm. that do that, and um, he has been beaten in the past on the back of excellent performances at the, the royal meeting. So maybe Ascot is a track that, that brought out the absolute best in him. I think Neil that there would have been more criticism of the decision to retire him had he not run the twice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean. <clears throat> It seems fair enough, doesn't it? I mean, it, you know, you're supposed to sell high and buy low, aren't you? I mean, he's absolutely at his peak. Um, I must say, the one thing I, looking at the stuff after the race, there was a brilliant, I don't know if you saw a brilliant picture of the racing post of him uh, crossing the road at Ascot. And he, it sort of looked a bit like the Abbey Road Beatles <laughs> picture. But what a beautiful horse he looked at that picture. I just, I, I looked at that. I, normally, I'm just kind of skimming through, going, looking for the form or something like that. But uh, I saw that and I thought, blimey, what a lovely horse that is. Yeah, And that'll, be the, that'll be the stallion advert, won't it? <clears throat> there you blimey, go. what a lovely horse. <laughs> Neil Channing. <laughs> Luck on Sunday. That'll do it. 30th of June. That'll do it. There we go then. That was Blue Point, who was a dual winner at Ascot and has been retired this week to Dallam Hall Stud. Team racing, championship horse racing. Initial idea came forward 18 months or so ago. Got some momentum last year. It seems to have been just pushed into the long grass for the time being. Uh, and there's been some debate this week, uh, Sean, as to whether a team racing or commercial teams supporting um, a, a group of horses is something that will capture the public's imagination. We should be investing money. And what's your view on that? Yeah, whether it'll capture the, the public's imagination, I'm not so sure. I, I could see it, it may be catch, uh, capturing their imagination. Whether it captures the horseman's imagination is something that I, I doubt entirely. Um, <laughs> trying to get trainers to, to pitch in, uh, so to speak, and form a mega team or something along those lines. Um, it just won't work for me. Um, that's why trainers have their own respective yards and, and they, they, they go out on their own, if, if you know what I mean. Um, look, if, if, if they got it right and they went along the lines of a, a Formula One model, then there's every chance that the, the public would be uh, enthused by something like that. And if, if they ran it in major cities, uh, so on and so forth, it would be uh, something um, different. Whether it would all end up a bit of a gimmick or not, I'm not sure. Well, the, these things do have a certain degree of gimmickism, but they also offer the sport scope to experiment, scope to explore, Neil, and scope to think about doing something different to, to appeal to, to, to broader audiences. 
uh, does this float to your boat at all? I mean, sort of, uh, but it's probably not really aimed at me. The point of it is to bring new people in, and that must be a good thing. You know, it, horse racing is a sport where the average fan of horse racing is ageing year on year, and getting young and new people involved is very difficult. Uh, I think Sean's right. I'm sure the horsemen, uh, you know, people are very sniffy, aren't they, about the Shergar Cup over the years. Uh, it, it gets huge crowds and, and a different kind of crowd at Ascot. So, I, I, I you know, that works well. You, I've, love, I've, you love the Shergar Cup. I know we've run out of two minutes, but can we stop the clock and I can tell you a, a slight story about city centre racing, if you like, or not really? Oh, I'll tell you what, we'll save it for the end. Okay, all save, right. Save no it for problem. the end. Hold that thought. Okay. Uh, because I want to talk about, well, I don't really want to talk about Chris Beak, but I'm going to have to talk about mm. Chris Beak because. He's in trouble because, uh, uh, in common with seem to be many syndicates at the moment, um, he has taken an awful lot of money off an awful lot of people, and uh, this is going to put a lot of people off racing. Fundamentally, these syndicates, Nicola, have got to be better regulated. Definitely, like it's really not great what's happened. But as you say, it's one of the it's it won't be the first, and it probably won't be the last. Um, so I think they're just going to have to knuckle down somewhere to stop it happening in the future. Do, do you think there needs to be a situation whereby um, the, any syndicate is just subject to regulation, essentially? Yeah, I'm sure that's what it, what it will come to, Nick, and, and what it should come to. Um, as you say, it's not a, a subject that you particularly like speaking about because it's a, it's a negative, and um, I feel very, very sorry for um, anybody who has, has invested in, uh, in it and, and lost their money because you know, it's heartbreaking, especially getting involved in, in a horse, mm. how exciting that must be. Some, some people dream of having a fifth or a, or a five percent in horse, whatever the stake is, you, it feels like it's your horse. And then to have that r robbed or sort of taken from, from beneath you must be galling. All that, all that I would say is that uh, there are a lot of very good syndicates mm. in this country that do an excellent job. We've worked with some of them ourselves. Some of them we haven't, but you can see from the outside that they're doing a very good job. And... Um, you know, I would I would encourage people who who are thinking about getting involved in syndicates to to, to explore them avenues because you don't need me to name the syndicates. They're, mm. they're the guys that are having winners yeah. day in day out. But an issue like this, Neil, where you've got a a Walter Mitty character mm. essentially taking money off people and they're never going to see it back or any return for it, it it's as damaging to the sport as I think you can get. I guess, although you know, race horse racing's always kind of had that, hasn't it? From sort of the three card <laughs> tricksters in the car park and the bloke coming up to you, uh, you know, they always used to. But whenever you went to Newmarket, there was always a fella come up to you with a race card and sort of say, "I'll take that. I've got one in the second, and you know, give me a tenner and all that." People kind of like that sort of shady no, aspect come on. of it. <laughs> so no one likes this. Well, no one wants to get <laughs> robbed for hundreds <laughs> of thousands, obviously. <laughs> Oh dear, Neil Channing defending <laughs> I wasn't widespread defending fraud on <laughs> luck on Sunday. Uh, the BHA, uh, oh, Ger Lyons uh, made an allusion to this in the interview a few moments ago. The BHA are clamping down uh, on uh, the specific instructions that trainers give to jockeys in, in, in light of betting intelligence they've received. And we had another case bit with a horse that was well backed yeah, what was over that jumps there was a thing this week. Yes, the yeah. Jam Man. The Jam Man. The jam jam man. man yeah. was I noticed that. Yeah, the, the owner. Uh, he, I mean, the, B, the BHA have a betting intelligence team, mm -hmm. and uh, if they see that there's a huge gamble on uh, a horse that's got no apparent recent form, uh, occasionally, and it's quite occasionally, 
uh, they'll contact the local stewards and say, can you have a word uh, with the connections of, of this horse and just let them know that we're aware that there's been a some kind of huge move in the market for their horse and we will be keeping a careful eye on it. Or a huge drift, presumably. Uh, or a huge worrying. drift, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that seems quite reasonable to me. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's not like they're really mm. saying anything other than just, it, we do know. So you're going to have to have a good excuse at the end if you win it or if you're tailed off accordingly. Um, the I don't know, with, to the, this. with the jam, yeah. the jam yeah. man, the fellow sort of said, well, this was a disgrace. How can they be talking to well, me before the race? The, the nuance to this, isn't it, is that this is the, the latest in a, a number of its such incidents, and it's normally horses coming over from Ireland. Uh, there was one at Carlisle yes. the other day. Mm. One of Charles Burns's. Exactly. And I think that's, that's a good point. I think the Irish trainers feel aggrieved. I think they're being victimised by the BHA. They, they maybe are being victimised because I don't know how many English or, or Scottish-based trainers have been questioned uh, under under similar circumstances. I don't know, so I can't speak. Uh, but Ch Charles Burns felt uh, particularly victimised, didn't he, up at, mm. at Carlisle? And that, that was an excellent training performance, it should be said. He brought a horse back off 700-and-odd days off. He, he hadn't really hidden anything. He just got the horse very right and done his job to a, to a very high standard. Uh, that story, I think, has uh, probably got a little bit more juice in it, and one we'll probably discuss in the, in the weeks to come. Uh, the Breeders' Cup this week held a broad board meeting and decided to keep the Breeders' Cup this year at Santa Anita in Southern California, which has been its host site more times than any other. Um, were they right to do so, do you think, Sean, in the wake of um, the amount of deaths there have been at Santa Anita this year? I, I think so. Um... Not knowing the, the ins and outs enough over the past six months, I, I probably can't speak from that point of view, but it is a, a world-class facility and uh, it's a real draw uh, for people internationally, Santa Anita. It's one of the great race courses in the world, was perceived to be anyway. Um, so I, uh, I'd like to think um, that they've, they've had a, a degree of bad luck um, with, with some of these deaths over the, the last six months or so and um, hopefully uh, going forward and into the Breeders' Cup, they, they they get a good run at it. It's very popular with the gravy trainers, isn't it, Santa Anita? The uh, the the, uh, the British journalists seem to love a freebie trip there. I think it'll be if, you, if they have to go to Belmont or something, they're going to be absolutely disgusted. Means look at packaged shorts anyway, as exactly, opposed to exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's a very good point you make. It is a beautiful place and one of my favourite racetracks. But the serious point is, should the Breeders' Cup be run there this year in light of what's been a very serious unfolding situation in Southern California. Somebody, somebody said to me the other day they've had less deaths there. It's not even the record year. Well, if you take out the aberrant period where there was ex extreme bad weather, that mm. is, the, the statistics actually read uh, less badly, mm, much mm. less badly. Yeah. And I think th this was a data-driven decision. Mm. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm in support of the decision. I don't know. I defer to Michael Dickinson on these matters. I, I, don't, I don't want to uh, comment without chatting with him first. Uh, please don't do that. <laughs> that's, that's not a good idea. Who, you might be riding at Santa Anita in well, a few I know, months' time. I know. Well, going to get Jamie Osborne to get one ready for exactly. you. Exactly. I'll, I'll have a word with him. Hopefully we'll be there. It's not beyond the bounds of possibility. He's done it before. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about Graham Gibbons, who wants his licence back. Uh, he was um, banned for a significant period of time for um, uh, putting 
another jockey's sample as his own so as to avoid uh, a positive test. It was a, a pretty heinous offence and he, he served some time for it. Now, Graham Gibbons was your stable jockey, uh, Sean, for or your dad's stable jockey for a, lo a long time. What's your view on this? He was. Um, first and foremost, what he did was, was very wrong and, and he deserved the punishment that he got, no, no doubt. But he served his time. He served the time that, that, that he was banned for. So I, I believe he should, should get his licence back. Um, a very, very talented rider, Nick. Mm. I mean, he rode our first first Royal Ascot winner. It's, there's a picture still sitting proudly in the office of Pevensey winning the Duke of Edinburgh handicap. And on one side of him, he's Richard Hughes on a on a Richard Hannon train horse, Solent, I think it was. And there's Mick Canan up on a on an Aidan O'Brien train horse. And uh, Dad said he was one of the few jockeys that he's put up that in the final furlong against Hughes and Canan, he didn't give an inch. And he was only a very young man at the time. He's well known up the north. He is as talented a rider. As, as has ridden in the North for, for the last 20 or 30 years, I'd say. But his career has been a chequered one, and he's not found it easy really to manage himself. No. And that's the next chapter of his, of his life that he's going to have to manage yeah. better. And, and ho hopefully, hopefully um, he, he does, uh, and, uh, and he gets, gets, gets on, the, on the straight and narrow, and, uh, and, and he gets all the help that, that he's needed, because you, people, you, you do need help, uh, undoubtedly, but um, I, I do wish, wish him the best, and. Uh, I'm sure if, if he gets, gets his act together, he, he'll be back and, and riding winners. Well, what do you think the feeling in the weighing room is, Nicola? Look, I'm not sure, to be honest. It's not something we've really spoke about or have heard a lot of. Um, I agree with Sean. Look, it was obviously very bad what he's done. But yes, he served his time. But who's to say he might not fall back again? Do you know? I don't, I don't know him as a person. It'd be unfair, really, for me to comment on that. But I think there'd be a lot of different opinions if you went into the weighing room and asked about it. That was maybe riding, a lot of the lads that were maybe riding with him at the time mm -hmm. and would know more than I would. I think you'd find a lot of different opinions. That's interesting. Um, now I know we talked about this last week, the, the bet restrictions on the Frankie multiples at Royal Ascot, but Neil Channing has specifically requested off the back of what looks a uh, unfeasibly large um, pastry to talk about this again. I, so I went a bit the floor. The I went a bit crazy there. I thought I had two minutes to eat that pastry. The floor is yours. Work. Go on, get on with um, it. One forty-six. <laughs> no, I did see the front page of the Racing Post the other day. A, a good old friend of mine, Ben Keith from Style Sports, was uh, generally slagging off um, a couple of the firms. I believe Skybet and Bet Three Six Five on the Saturday of Royal Ascot refused uh, or made it that it wasn't possible on the site to bet a five-fold accumulator on uh, Frankie's runners. Um, and, you know, he was basically saying, well, this is ridiculous. You know, you've had all the, the money over the years and now you're running scared. Well, you just have to do the maths really. He, he was about three million to one to ride all five winners mm -hmm. um, on Saturday. Uh, I saw Michael Shinners was saying, well, suppose uh, three and a half thousand of our customers have a 10p accumulator uh, for Skybet, then, you know, we can see the value of these companies. You know, William Hills have had a bad time on the stock market in the last couple of years. The company's only worth, you know, 250 million now. Um, it's pretty easy to run up liabilities of hundreds and hundreds of millions. We don't really want bookmakers taking bets that they can't afford to pay out. Um, and it does present a very difficult situation. You can say, well, they can hedge it. But if you're Bet365 or your, your Skybet, you're two of the biggest, 
there's no one to hedge with. Everyone else has got the same problem. But, you can put but, money into the market and make the last one go off but even this, money. This, I, I understand what you're saying, and you're you're basing this in 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 a lot of fact, which mm. is, is is unusual in circumstances yeah, like this when people start ranting about. <laughs> but when people see that the 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 boss of Bet365 paid herself two hundred and sixty-five million pounds last year, this ain't gonna wash. But it, it's, we're talking the, the liability that they would have been facing would be billions, not millions. Billions. I mean, you know, I don't know what it's hard to know what 365 is worth as a company because it's, uh, you know, it's privately owned by the Coates family and it's not traded right. on the stock market. But you know, it'd be fair to say it wouldn't. You wouldn't get change out of, uh, you know, eight billion or something like that. Like, there's no need for them to put their company out of business overnight. Uh, you can say, well, it's never going to happen or whatever, but that's slightly ridiculous. People, you know, anything can happen in sport. We know that. And they're just, I, I know it's a difficult situation. I'm sorry, we've gone over the two minutes. I know it's a difficult situation and people want to bet on it. And it is marketing for the game. You know, Frankie has four winners or five winners or whatever. But you just think how big a story it was on Thursday and how much coverage it got. And then suddenly how many people would have looked at that and thought, I'll tell you what, I'm going to do an accumulator of Frankie's on Saturday, a much bigger race. Day. Uh, I appreciate a, a comprehensive alternative view on this from the one that's generally been uh, talked about in the last couple of weeks and the alternative view to the one expressed here on Talking Points last week on Luck on Sunday. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai.